Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 165. I'm Art Regner, and as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always good to end your hard-earned day of work just by relaxing and having an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, and... It is delicious. We just ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, this is a big week uh, in the NHL with the expansion draft coming up uh, for the Seattle Kraken and then the NHL draft uh, on Friday and Saturday of this week. And our guest is Kevin Allen, Hockey Hall of Fame writer, formerly of USA Today, now has a new venture going. The guy is the busiest man in the NHL that isn't a general manager, I would say. But uh, let's bring in no stranger to the program, Kevin Allen. Kevin, thanks for uh, doing this program today. I always look forward to being on this program. It's one of my favorites to be on. Well, you know, originally, I know I say this every time you're on, but the original Red and White Authority uh, was conceived by you and me. We used to do it together before uh, (laughs) I started working for the Red Wings. So... uh, yeah, I miss those days. It was a little bit uh, different world than it is now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I definitely. I'm right there with you. Uh, with all that said, Kevin, I know you have a new venture with uh, uh, again a good friend of ours, uh, Bob Duff, formerly of the Windsor Star, columnist there. But uh, why don't you uh, update the people on what you're doing now? Well, um, I'm uh, working for uh, Detroit Hockey Now, which is uh, a brand new website here in Detroit. Um, we were you know, we weren't even on the map uh, five weeks ago, and now we're up and running, and probably have written a hundred stories or so about the the Red Wings. And as you mentioned, I'm with Bob uh, Duff, who's um, everyone knows was a columnist uh, with the Windsor Star for so many years, and uh, now is uh, freelancing. So he's joined me, and that's what I'll be right. I also write 20 national columns a month for uh, Hockey Buzz as well. So I'll still sort of be a national writer, but I'll also spend a good deal of time uh, being a beat writer for the Red Wings, and I'm looking forward to. It. I'll be at all the uh, the home games for sure, and maybe even some. Uh, road games. I'm looking forward to going to training camp if that's allowed, and uh, um, you know I'll I'll be providing your uh, analysis uh, uh, for uh, anyone who uh, um, you know has liked uh, what I the way that I've written for years. Uh, now you'll see me writing uh, exclusively for the Red Wings a lot of the time. Well, yeah. Well, I I mean obviously I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, I, I think it's great, and uh, I've enjoyed everything that you've written thus far. I want to begin with the Red Wings, even though I want to get into the expansion list and protected list and all that. But uh, Steve Eiserman made a move and acquired Nick Letty uh, uh, from the uh, New York Islanders for a second round pick, which I believe is the 52nd pick overall, uh, which is the pick they got from Edmonton last season in the Andreas Athanasiu trade. And also Richard Ponick. Uh, was sent to the Islanders, who the Red Wings acquired in the Anthony Mantha trade that also brought Jacob Vrana here and a first and second round draft pick. Uh, uh, first round this year and second round, I believe, uh, next year. But with all that said, uh, and they retained half of Ponick's uh, uh, salary, too, the Red Wings do. A curious move uh, simply because everyone th- thought that Steve wanted to acquire draft picks Yet he lets one go for a guy like Nick Letty, whom I believe actually is a huge upgrade for the Red Wings. Yeah, it really is. And I think um, if you look at that trade, I think it reminds us of how complicated it is to build 
uh, a competitive NHL franchise. And by that, I mean, you know, we were expecting, just as you mentioned, uh, Steve to be in acquiring more assets, either prospects or, or draft picks. Instead, he expended one of his three second-round picks uh, to get a guy with one year left on his contract. And I think after a while, when we realized he wasn't going to flip him elsewhere, we were waiting for that second shoe to drop, and it never did. Uh, then I think we realized and looked at it that he was just trying to upgrade the defense to make it more competitive in terms of making sure that there, you know, we have pretty high morale in Detroit uh, as the team is able to compete in every game. But more importantly, I think uh, he's added a, a mentor, a veteran defenseman that can help uh, uh, Mo Sider uh, make the transition from uh, you know, prospect to, to being an NHL player. And, you know, Letty's strength is uh, the ability to move the puck. He's an excellent transition uh, defenseman. I talked to uh, former NHL defenseman Tom Laidlaw, who played for the Rangers for 11 years, and uh, he sees uh, Letty a lot. He, he saw him a lot uh, when he was with the Islanders. He said he's very much underrated as a defensive player, even though he's primarily an offensive player, and that's the way he thinks, that he fit pretty well in the, in the trots, uh, system and his strength is uh, getting the puck through the neutral zone and um, when you look at the advanced stats that bears that out he's among the top two or three in the league at skating the puck through the neutral zone um, but more importantly what he's good at is entries on the power play and everyone in Detroit who has watched that power play for the last two or three years years know that that's been the biggest problem for the Red Wings is um, you know sometimes the efficiency of a power play is so heavily dependent on the entries, and the Red Wings have been terrible at that for a while. So that'll help him that way. 31 points last year, that's more than any player on the Red Wings roster. Uh, so he'll, he'll be a, a welcome addition. And, you know, uh, you know perhaps uh, they'll talk about a contract extension at some point, but if they don't, uh, they can move him out. I don't know whether they can get a second-round pick, but I, I, it's certainly plausible if he's playing well that they could get a second-round pick next year, and he'll just get a refund on that second pick that he uh, gave to the Islanders. But uh, when you look at it now from just the um, competition standpoint, this is a real good trade for Steve Eisenman. I, I, I think originally we just had to get past the idea that it was – far different than the trades he's made in the past. Well, I, I think what, like, floored people was is that, the and as you alluded to it, uh, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Is this a, a three-team trade, which, you know, Steve has a habit of doing at times. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, with that said, it, it, it never happened yet. I mean, I look at it, I think, two factors. One, uh, Mo Sider needs a mentor. Nick Letty's a good one. And two, is his prowess on the power play. I think he had a one power play goal and 11 assists, uh, or I think there are 11 total points. It could be 10 assists, one goal. But anyway, I'm, you, you slice it. This guy is a huge upgrade, especially on the power play, as you pointed out. Do you believe Ponick taking half of his salary and a second-round pick, is it too high a price, or is that what Steve has to be dealing with right now? Well, I mean, I, I think they really wanted to, to move Ponick. Like, uh, Ponick had to um, come over in that deal uh, to get it done for the Anthony Mantha, uh, Jacob Marana deal. Um, but he really was never part of the Red Wings' plans. And so I think, uh, uh, you know, this just moves him out, opens up another roster space for a younger uh, player. So, um, but in order to get uh, the Islanders to take him back, they had to pay half the salary. And, 
Um, you know, if if they bought him out, I think it's going to be very similar to what they would have had to pay for a buyout. But uh, at least he's off the off the roster. But uh, all, all in all, I, I I think that was a a fair price to pay for Letty, given to where he is um, in his contract and where he is as as a player. And you know what's uh, forgotten too is. Uh, you know, he has a championship ring. Uh, he earned that in 2013 with the Chicago Blackhawks. So even though he's played for a, a very good Islanders team the last two years that really made a run at going to the cup final, I think uh, he also has championship experience because of his days with the Blackhawks. Does this have any impact on whether or not Mark Stahl will be signed because it did appear that there was a mutual interest on the Red Wings and Mark Stahl's part to maybe come back and continue his uh, his career as a Detroit Red Wing. Well, it shouldn't. Um, uh, I don't know where they are on their negotiations, but um, I, I projected that uh, there was room for the Red Wings to sign two or three um, veteran defensemen, depending on what uh, Ron Francis does with the uh, Red Wings protective list. So I expected uh, that we'd see similar to what we saw the previous year when you know, we saw guys like Merrill come in and uh, Juice and uh, uh, Stahl. So um, I, I, I think uh, if Stahl wants to come back here, I think there's still room for him. Well, a guy that we heard about who was extremely, uh, you know, popular here in Detroit was was John Merrill, who they moved to the Canadians. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. There, there is speculation that... Uh, Maybe Merrill comes back to Detroit. Now, I haven't heard much about it. I really haven't. But, I mean, so, you know, based on what you say and depending, and we're going to get into the expansion, the protected list, and the available list here in a matter of seconds. But uh, do you think that Stahl, Letty, and Merrill could be a distinct possibility along with Sider and Horonic and uh, Lindstrom next year? Well, I think so. I mean, again, I think it's dependent upon what happens with the draft, but, um, you know, there, it, it, I, there's nothing wrong with bringing the band back together because it was a pretty effective uh, group. Um, so, and I think all they really are trying to achieve here is having competitive defensive play. And the one thing that I really liked about Stahl was how hard he competed every game. Like, it was really evident. Even on all the games that you were watching on television, um, or uh, you would see how hard he was competing. And I think uh, he got a lot of respect around the Red Wing organization for that. Uh, you know, they weren't exactly a championship-caliber team, but he played as if uh, they were a championship-caliber team. And I also think I've heard through the grapevine that he was very good in the dressing room and uh, with the younger players. And I, I think, uh, you know, if he, could, if he would come back for less than half of what he was making before, he was a $5 million player, you know, he's not worth... Uh, Five million to the Red Wings anymore, but uh, if he was willing to come in for a reasonable price, I think they'd like to have him back. And Merrill, I thought, was very effective. I thought he played, uh, you know, pretty darn well uh, for that team as well. So I, I think uh, both those guys are a possibility. But there are other players out there uh, that I'm sure they're interested in as well. Right. Well, Steve definitely wants to. Uh, I, I think uh, you know the the scuttlebutt was is he he certainly wanted to uh, shore up the blue line. Uh, uh, this off season, and especially with uh, you know with Cider coming in and with all the accolades, uh, I think you know maybe you can't get enough veteran defensemen <laughs> when you have a young prospect. I mean to take some of the load because there's going to be a lot of pressure on him just because everybody in Detroit is eagerly anticipating him to step out on the ice as a Red Wing for the first time 
at Little Caesars Arena. Uh, I, I want to ask you uh, uh, one other question, uh, and then we'll get into the, the the expansion draft, and then obviously the NHL draft coming up, and what the Wings may or may not do. Um, but that is uh, in goal. Uh, you know, Thomas Grice obviously was protected. Jonathan Bernier is an unrestricted free agent. There seems to be a foregone conclusion that the Red Wings and Bernier are going to get a deal done, yet goalies are available. You know, I keep hearing from several people like, hey, you can always get a goalie. You can always get a goalie. Would you be stunned if John Bernier does not come back? Uh, yeah, actually, I would. Um, you know, he's played well here the last two seasons. It hasn't really worked out. Uh, for him in other places and I think he's very comfortable here he's comfortable with the coaching staff uh, so as long as um, they, they're paying him a reasonable rate uh, and I don't know what that is uh, you know how he views it but I, I think he would be willing to come back here like his options he might have some options out there but it's not like he's going to go somewhere and uh uh, and play 50 games for someone. Uh, you know, he's pretty much cast now as a uh, you know number one on a very poor team, or uh, he's going to be a backup somewhere. So um, you know, why not uh, stay here where you can sort of grow with the uh, franchise and uh, you know enjoy the ride if if you believe in what they're doing here. And I'll bet he does. I'll bet he looks around and likes the enthusiasm and likes the direction that. Uh, Eisenman has him, so I'd be surprised uh, if he doesn't uh, stay here. I thought at the end of last season that it was a, uh, it was going to be a done deal that he he would stay here. But you know they are right. I mean you can find, you know, uh, veteran goalies. I mean there'll be some in the marketplace uh, uh, that uh, you can find, and you know our good friend, and not that the Red Wings would be interested in him, but Peter Morazic will be out there. Um, you know there'll be. Uh, uh, several guys that uh, you know played for other teams, Riddich, David Riddich. So you know there'll be a bunch of guys like that. So um, I'm sure Eisenman's feeling comfortable that he can get somebody if uh, uh, Bernier doesn't sign. Well, let's uh, let's look at the uh, the uh, p- protected list. Teams had to submit them on uh, Friday, uh, or by, pardon me, Saturday by uh, five o'clock, and then they were released on Sunday. And we're doing this on Monday, the 19th of July. Uh, we saw the list, and obviously, and let me just say, like, the elephant in the room here, Kevin. Uh, do you expect Carey Price to be a Seattle Kraken <laughs> at about 8, 8.30 on uh, uh, Wednesday evening of this week? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I have been uh, researching that. Uh, I've been reporting that, and I am really on the fence. Uh, I think it could go either way. Um like, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, I've had two general managers tell me there's no way it's going to happen. I've had another general manager saying if I was Ron Francis, I'd take him because, you know, he'll create an aura. He'll right. create the same sort of environment that the Vegas Golden Knights had with Mark andre Fleury, although it, it may be even uh, uh, more glorious because Carey Price uh, uh, is a guy that, uh, you know, was a little higher up on the food chain than even Fleury was when he arrived. I think his uh, Fleury's reputation has um, has grown since uh, he went to Vegas, where prices is already pretty high. So, um, you know, there's other factors. Uh, Price's wife is from Washington as well, um, but you know, there there are things you gotta think about from Seattle's perspective. Um, you know, another uh, there's still forty some million dollars owed on his contract over the next five years, uh, an eleven million dollar payment in September. 
uh, you know, he's probably not going to be uh, the carry price as we know him when he's in the fourth and fifth years of the rest of the years he has left on that contract. So, you know, you may be looking at uh, a pretty hefty buyout at the end of this. Um, he's, you know, he was a real good uh, playoff goalie and getting Montreal to the final. But uh, over the last couple of years, he hasn't been the same regular season goalie that we've seen. So um, there's a lot of things to consider. I'll bet this is would be very disruptive to the battle plan that Ron Francis has developed in terms of how he's going to build this team. You know, it's hard to add a ten and a half million dollar player uh, into your plan for how much you're going to spend for the next few years. So uh, it's going to be real interesting. I, I'm sure uh, this is an ownership decision, but I've, I've seen our friend Pierre Lebrun has reported that Francis has told people that the ownership has said, yeah, if you want to spend the money, go ahead. Um, so it's, it's really going to come down to him, and I'm sure he'll do his research. But I think it's a 50-50 uh, flip-your-coin type uh, call. I really do. I, I think there are a lot of pros for doing it. Um, just imagine all the jerseys, the Kraken jerseys in Seattle that will be worn at, say, price on it, and then there's reasons not to do it, which is, uh, you know, he could have knee surgery here coming up, and, you know, how good will he be over the next five years? So, uh, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's a pretty good decision to have here, Francis, but it's also probably the one that comes with a lot of angst. Well, that's my uh, next question. I was going to... Uh... Uh, quote the late uh, Jim Neighbors as Gomer Pyle. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, all of a sudden, Kerry Price is getting his knee and hip checked out and could have surgery. I know a lot of people that are, you know, have eight, uh, raised eyebrows when that report was starting to be circulating. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, that was going to happen regardless. Um, but I don't think anybody thinks this is a serious thing. I don't think anyone thinks that. You know he's done for his career or that um you know he's going to be gone for the season i think this is uh if he has knee surgery i think it's a a five or six week type thing is uh, what i'm hearing the scuttlebutt on that is i i would be a little bit alarmed by uh and i didn't see it but it was relayed to me by someone from another nhl team who said that uh carrie price's wife said this will all be cleared up and you'll understand in the next two days well what does that mean <laughs> so uh, you know i'd be a little uh, alarmed by that are we gonna suddenly hear that that this is what they wanted that they wanted to go to seattle or uh you know what are we gonna hear in two days you know i that that's exactly what i crossed my mind i i was thinking you know uh, mrs price has a lot to say in this i'm pretty sure and if she's from washington state uh, boom, you know, and, and, you know, obviously being in Seattle, you're close to, you know, you're close to Canada, just like if you're playing here in Detroit or Buffalo, I guess. So, so, uh, uh so we'll see. I mean, that it, it is fascinating. Anything else surprise you with unprotected lists? And we'll really hone in on the Red Wings here in a second. Well, I mean, you look at the Islanders list and there's a lot of attractive players, um, you know, Kiefer Bellows, uh, right is on that list and i think he's a uh, um you know still has a lot of potential there even though you know we haven't uh, seen the production that they would have liked to have seen from him um uh, jordan eberly um is there i you know i think goal scoring is hard to find and i i still see jordan eberly as a 20 goal scorer um uh so there i think the islanders probably have a, a list of players the the fact that the tampa bay lightning went four and four and expose forwards like Kalorn and Palat and Gord 
um, you know, and we already expected Tyler Johnson on there. So, you know, you're going to get a very good player or two, depending if they've cut a side deal to take Tyler Johnson uh, out of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and, uh, you know, Tarasenko uh, left unprotected, two years left at, I forget what his contract is, maybe about $8 million bucks, But, you know, uh, there was a six-year period there when he was averaging 37 goals uh, per season. So, um, you know, uh, there's enough talent there for Seattle to come out and be a pretty darn competitive uh, team, particularly if they get Carey Price. And even if they don't, uh, they're, they're supposedly going to sign Dreger, uh, Dreger, the Florida Panthers goalie, um, as well. So I, I, I was wondering whether they would get a team as good as Vegas, but I think it's now possible. Yeah, I, it's really interesting. I, uh, 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 you know, we're joking around with some of my buddies is that if you look at the odds to win the Stanley Cup next year, I don't know what Seattle's are, but they're kind of in the middle of the pack. But there's 11 teams whose odds are worse than the Seattle Kraken, and they don't even have a roster yet. And, yeah. you yeah. know, that's... That just goes to show you, and I would imagine with the expansion fee that Seattle's paying, you almost you have to make it kind of worth their while that you're going to have a a competitive team. Uh, you know, it's not like the old days where you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL were like zero and fourteen or whatever it was. You know, I mean that that that's just it's just not cost effective. Well, no, I mean. Especially when you're paying the what was it six hundred million, right, uh, right. you know, for that franchise, uh, you know, and I've said this before, but it would be like McDonald's selling you a new franchise and said, but you know, we're not going to give you the same quality of meat that you get at all the other uh, McDonald's. You got to start out by selling inferior meat and just work your way up. Um, you know, I, that's not the way franchises should work. You should be able to get a team that makes you competitive when you pay that amount of money. And I, I think. Uh, the NHL kind of stumbled upon this, uh, mostly out of greed. I think they wanted to get the more, most money they could, so that's how they sold this idea of, hey, look, um, you know, you're going to pay a lot of money, but you're going to get a pretty good team. You know, you're going to get the fourth defenseman off every team because they can only protect three, um, or you're going to get the fifth forward if they want to protect four, and that's, you know, that's obviously a, a second line. Right. Um, you know, forward. So um, I thought it was a pretty interesting strategy. I think it's one that other leagues will do if they expand. Um, and uh, I think it's the, it's the right way to go. I mean, look at the, uh, all you got to do is look at the Columbus Blue Jackets. They've been around for two decades and they haven't gotten anywhere yet because they started out and they were terrible and they've right. just never really overcome that. Um, so I think this is the way to go, um, and uh, you know I don't see expansion on the horizon, but it will happen again. I'm sure with the NHL, and I'm sure they will do it exactly the same way. They're, you know, they're not the NHL league is not even sharing the expansion revenue with the Vegas Golden Knights, so you know that's an extra, you know, t uh, you know probably two or three million dollars for every team. So when your expansion team, they don't give you everything. Right, right. Well, that I, it, it'll be fascinating. Let's get to the Red Wings. Let's first look at their protected list. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, Adam Ernie, Robbie Fabre, Dylan Larkin, Michael Rasmussen, Giovanni Smith, and Jacob Verana. The Red Wings obviously went 7-3-1, and one, meaning seven forwards, three defensemen, which are Philip Horanek, uh, Nick Letty, and Gustav Lindstrom, better known as Gus Lindstrom. And uh, Thomas Grice uh, in goal. Um, I would imagine 
I couldn't see Steve going eight skaters and one goalie. Um, anything surprise you about this protected list? Not, not at all. Um, I thought it was pretty straightforward, and uh, it really kind of spoke to where the Red Wings really are in terms of their ability to compete, the fact that it was pretty uh, easy to draw up that list. Uh, the only question that I had, um, you know, was, uh, you know, Chalowski, um, you know, versus Stetcher. Uh, you have the uh, very fan-popular Stetcher, uh, versus a guy who was uh, much younger and probably had a bigger upside, um, but isn't exactly a fan favorite in Dennis Jalowski. Um, and that was resolved Friday night when uh, Letty uh, came aboard, and then they didn't even have to make that debate because both of them are out now. Um, they're both uh, up for grabs. And, you know, that, that'll be uh, an interesting decision. Uh, the gambling sites, you brought them up, they, they believe uh, Ron Francis is going to take Svechnikov. Um, really? Yes. That, he was the odds favorite the last time I looked uh, on that. Uh, uh, and the only thing I would say about that is, is, you know, people might laugh about that since he was not uh, even in the plans of the Red Wings. But, you know, these gambling sites, uh, they're pretty careful. Um, so I, I, I would say that's not as unrealistic as people think it is they may view him as a guy that's really never gotten a chance and i think there would be fans in detroit that would argue that as well um so um i don't think that'll happen i think they'll take stetcher uh maybe they'll take chalowski maybe they believe they can uh develop him in a way the red wings couldn't i don't know but uh i would think stetcher who's an inexpensive defenseman who you know has some value uh has a pretty high energy level um, as we all know. Um, and uh, so I, I could see him, you know, they get to take only, and, and this is an important element, you know, they're only allowed to take 10 defensemen. So, and, you, you know, you can take, uh, uh, you know, so many uh, uh, forwards and so many goalies. So um, uh, I, I, I think that's what we'll see them do is, is take Stetcher or Chalowski, but I think it'll be Stetcher. Yeah, I, I think that that was like the conventional wisdom that, until uh, uh, until Nick Letty was acquired, uh, the Red Wings were going to go young and protect uh, Hronik Chalowski and uh, and also Gus Lindstrom. Uh, and then uh, Nick Letty came in, and then uh, I guess it was between Chalowski and Gus Lindstrom, but I am not surprised that Dennis is the odd man out. No, no, although I, well, I'll tell you what I am surprised about is, you know, since I've started to do the Red Wings Red site, I've really... Um, sort of tapped into the uh, the fan base, and uh, the fans just are not sold on Gus Lindstrom, and and uh, I I I really think that he's going to be a, a very safe, dependable uh, defenseman, but uh, he he's not won over the fans yet. It's like that, uh, safe and dependable is not what they want to hear. Uh, you know, they want a guy who's going to put some points on. I think that's why they they love the the energy. Um, and the uh, willingness to jump into the play that Stetcher brings to the uh, to the ice. Right. Well, when you look at when Lindstrom was drafted, everyone thought, "Wow, that's really high." The Red Wings could have got him in maybe the fourth or fifth round, uh, and he was like, "I think he might have been second s- round." Yeah, I know he was the second round. I don't think he was the second overall player picked, maybe by the Red Wings. But I do remember uh, at the time Tyler Wright, the director of amateur scouting, telling me. That people came up to the Red Wing table because they are they're all on the on the ice surface, so to speak, of whatever arena they're they're conducting the draft when it's not virtual. 
Uh, and he said people were coming up to the Red Wing table, and there was no two ways about it. People were either telling him, oh, God, he was on our, you know, that's a good pick, man. What a steal. You guys got him. You know, we thought he'd be available in the third and fourth round. And then other teams were coming up to him going, what are you, nuts? You could have got that guy in the fourth or fifth round. Why would you waste a second-round pick on him? But, again, if you like a player, I don't care where you're at, you just take him if he's available, right? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's what you have to. I, I guess who's, you know, who it is that likes him. You know, if you right. told me Steve Eisenman liked a guy, uh, you know, I'd feel a little bit stronger about it than uh, someone else. I, I I remember that draft. I remember that pick. And I do remember talking to uh, uh, scouts about him. And the scouting community didn't like that pick uh, for the Red Wings. Uh, uh, they felt like he could have easily have gotten him uh, in the third round and still been uh, ahead of the game. Um, so, you know, well, he, people say, well, cause I've talked to him and he has a really nice personality and he's one of our uh, bloggers, although he hasn't written much uh, in our player blog, but he reminds me of that old comic strip. What was it called, Kevin? You'll remember. I'm really de- Was it Henry, the kid that never spoke? Oh, yeah. just had the air balloon, like, in front of him? Yeah. There was never anything? I mean, that's kind of how he is. He's a little bit quiet, and, uh, you know, I mean, there was a point in the Winged Wheel, the documentary series that's on uh, DetroitRedWings.com, where he was given the, the game puck. I don't know if he got a goal or what. He did something in the game, and they tossed the game puck to him, and he goes, way to go, boys. He goes, one in a row, let's keep it going, you know, and everybody just started everybody, every, everybody just started laughing. So, I mean, you know, obviously, um, the, and the reason I, I brought up the, com, the, the comic strip Henry is because... You don't notice him out there, but yet for a young defenseman, that's a good thing because as opposed to Dennis, and I and I really like Dennis Jalowski. I'm going to come right out and say it. I really, really do. Um, Dennis's mistakes are glaring. Gus just seems to be steady, and maybe the, as, as I think as you've said, that that's probably uh, what was the determining factor: who was going to be protected and who wasn't. Yeah, you know, I I always think back to uh, when I first started covering the league for. Uh, USA Today, the Edmonton Oilers were, were all that. You know, they were the team. And what's often uh, not remembered about the Oilers, that, you know, we remember the great um, offense they had with Gretzky and Curry and Messier and Anderson and a host of others. But what we forget is is that everybody on their defense was like 6'2 or better, and they were all like 210, 215. And um, Lindstrom is like that as well. You know, he's going to be a guy that he's not a giant. But, you know, he's 6'2", and, you know, pretty solid out there, and uh, you don't notice him. But when you don't notice him, he's had a good game. Right, exactly. Um, because, he's, you know, he's played well. Yeah, he certainly has. Let's uh, uh, turn our attention real, real quickly. I mean, we could go through other guys that were that, that are made available, and uh, but, you know, I would assume, you know, Shvechnikov is an interesting case, though, because I think amongst media people, when they talk about it, they're not sure why Shvechnikov, maybe it's just a history of injury, why he hasn't been able to integrate himself into that Red Wing lineup. Well, this is how I feel about him. Like, if I was Ron Francis, you know, having seen enough of Shvechnikov myself, you know, knowing his DNA, knowing who his brother is, if I was Francis, I'd say to, you know, Steve Eisenman, you know, I'm going to take Stetcher. He's my guy, but, you know, what do you need to give me Svechnikov? Because it wouldn't be much. Right. Uh, it really wouldn't. And I would take him because I think he is a guy 
that you know you start them out on the third line and see what happens. Just tell them, just tell them, hey, we're going to give you 82 games to show us what you can do. Uh, I, I bet he'll actually be effective. I mean, I think he's a guy that could score 12, 15 goals in this league, go up and down his wing. Like I, I think as a third line contributor, I think he could be a scoring third liner. Um, like uh, that's how I view him, and uh, that's what I would do if I was Francis. I, I you know, I don't know that I want to waste the, you know, the expansion pick on him because I think Stetcher could be more valuable. But I wouldn't mind having him and giving him that opportunity that he's really never had. The problem in Detroit, he has been in the lineup, but usually not for an extended period. Um, I think he had a couple of times when he was in the lineup for several games in a row. But usually it's, you know, produce or else. Where if I think if he knew he was going to be in for a while, I think he'd settle into and maybe be an effective player. And maybe not. But, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, you you know that, uh, you know, it's the player and not uh, the organization. Well, you know, that's an excellent point. I mean, let's go back to the Vegas expansion draft. And, you know, the, the, the big story coming out of Motown at the time was uh, – uh, you know, Peter Morazek was left unprotected, and I don't know if the Red Wings had an inkling or not, but uh, they like Thomas Nosek, who is still on Vegas and still a regular. And so, and when I look at Thomas Nosek and I see his skill set compared to Evgeny Sveshnikov, I, I wouldn't mind. I, I, I think you're right. If I'm Ron Francis too, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe we can work out some sort of deal with Steve. Uh, you know, you, you make too much sense, Kevin. I sit here and you speak, and I'm thinking, you know, Kevin's right. You take Stetcher, and then boom, work a deal for uh, Svechnikov, who uh, who is a restricted free agent. And then if the Red Wings don't qualify him, uh, then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So you know, he could hit the open market uh, uh, sooner than uh, than we think. With all that said. Um, I know you've said this, but just to wrap this up, it does appear, and Ron Francis is a pretty shrewd individual himself, that Vegas is going to have a fairly good team, maybe not Vegas level, but pretty darn close. Well, that's what I think. Um, You know, uh, I don't think he's going to be able to cut as many side deals, so I don't see that he's going to get the Alex Tucks um, or the Shea Theodores, um, you know, where you added those players to uh, not take certain guys on Minnesota and Anaheim. But I think the guys he drafts, uh, he should be able to get, um, you know, good enough. Like, you know, he's going to get Mark Giordano, who's still playing at a pretty high level. I know he's 37, but, you know, you could just make him your captain. There's a lot of talk. They're going to try to assign Landis Cog. I'm not sure they're going to get him, but, you know, they're at least going to make an effort. Um, And, uh, you know, there's enough guys around there that I think – um, I, I think they can score, and that's the key is can you score? Because uh, I think you can build a, a good defense, and, you know, if they take Carey Price, or even if they don't, I think their goaltending will be good. Right, well, you know, I, I mean, you bring up Gabriel Landeskog, who's a captain of the Colorado uh, uh, Avalanche, and maybe it was Nathan McKinnon's little outburst of, uh, you know, a famous quote, what, I've been in this league for nine years and haven't won bleep, uh, you yeah. know. Uh-uh. You know, what's going on with that? I mean, you would think that Landeskog, who is a good player, would be somebody that Colorado, you know, provides a real good stability. And obviously, wearing a C, he has to be a pretty good leader. Well, for sure. Here's the problem, I think, that uh, Landeskog has. And it's a similar problem to what Nugent Hopkins had in Edmonton. As good as those players are, they're only the third best forwards on their team. Right. 
and the two guys ahead of them are getting all the money. You know, uh, you know, Rantanen and uh, McKinnon are getting the money in Colorado, and uh, Dreisaitl and of course Connor McDavid are getting it in Edmonton. Now, Landis Cog does have the added layer of leadership, which I think is important. But you know, they're not looking to give him, you know, eight years at eight million, and I'm sure that's what he wants. Um, so I think that's the the rub there. And if I was Seattle, that's where I'd start because they can afford it. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe that could be where they're at even with Carey Price. If, you know, if I give Carey Price 10.5, can I offer Landis Cog 8 at 8? Um, so, I, I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of decisions there. There's, You know, there's nothing greater than a blank slate, but there's nothing worse because uh, right. you feel like you can get everybody. So, I'm Ron Francis. I'm laying awake at night, and I'm thinking, okay, Price and Net, Giordano anchoring my uh, blue lining – and Landis Gog up front. That's that's three pretty good guys to start with, you know. Yeah, no, that that's right. And you know the fact that Gar- Giordano is only uh, a one-year contract is, you know, is is good because then you know if he likes it, he'll stay. But if not, he, you know, he kind of moves on. So um, yeah, I I I think this is a lot of fun. And I think when you have expansion. Um, I, I think it, it, it really kind of sparks, uh, you know, more national interest. Like, I think everybody was interested in what they were going to be called, and I think they picked the perfect name. I love saying, you know, the Kraken. Right. You know, I never I never use say, Seattle. I just say the Kraken, you know, uh, just because I, I just like that. And uh, um, I just, uh, you know, I, I think there's interest in what this team is going to look like. I think it creates a lot of interest. That Carey Price is now linked to that team, even if he doesn't go there, you know. Right. Uh, people are going to be remember that you know he was almost a Kraken, right. you know. So, so. I, I mean, I can't, you know, the, the, you know, let's get cracking in the arena. People are going to go nuts, you know. <laughs> yeah. Release, the, release the Kraken. Yeah, you know? Release the Kraken. That's you know? what you do when the penalty is open over. That's what you know. You hear this door creaking over. You say, "Release the Kraken," and yeah, yeah. he goes. Yeah, maybe you can hire, uh, you know, because he has enough money already. Probably George R. R. Martin, and he can. Uh, he can write some sort of Kraken scene, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some sort of little animated thing. Uh, uh, it would be bloody, uh, but it, it, it would be effective, I'm sure. What, uh, well, now, go ahead. well, you well, you know, there's going to be the the Geico commercial is going to play on the big screen oh, where yeah. you know, so, you know, so you know the hazards are tough here when the Kraken come out, and <laughs> so that so is, you know that, that that'll be excellent. out there, yeah. All right. Well, let, let's turn our uh, attention to the uh, uh, NHL draft coming up uh, uh, round one on uh, uh, the 23rd and round two on the 24th. Uh, before we get in specifically about the Red Wings, the thing I'm really looking forward to is this is first ESPN's first foray back into hockey in, you know, what, I don't know, a decade or so, 15 years or whatever it is. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what their, what their telecast is going to be like. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and I think there's excitement about uh, having two networks doing it. I think there's excitement about, uh, you know, kind of the new voices and faces we're going to hear. I mean, Wayne Gretzky is going to be an analyst. Like, uh, you know, how good is that? Uh, so I, I, I agree that we're going to, uh, uh, you know, have some excitement on this uh, draft. And, I you know, I, I think NBC did a terrific job. Uh, I remember when they gave up uh, – uh, ESPN and moved on. I thought it was the wrong decision, but it turned out it was the right decision because when ESPN did it last time, 
they didn't treat the sport very well. Yeah. Like we we never knew when um, you know the. the the hockey show was going to be on. Sometimes it was on Tuesday. Sometimes it was on Thursday. Sometimes they didn't have it at all. It was depending if they had baseball or whatever yeah, else they yeah, had. Equestrian yeah, yeah, events. Uh, yeah, yeah, bowling. You know, <laughs> but but now you know NBC gave it a permanent place. Like it was important to NBC Sports Network, and uh, I don't think they'll get away with that this time. I think ESPN knows now that it's got to pay homage to the sport and. You know it'll be um, you know well established when the the shows will be on and so forth. So I, I think they're going to do a good job and it'll, it'll be exciting. Well, you know what I'm looking forward to is when TNT gets it because they want to do their own version of uh, the the NBA live show that they do with Kenny, Charles, Shaq, and Ernie. Uh, right. They want to they want to do a you know a a, a a show very very similar but NHL based. I can't wait till Barkley just says you know I'm fed up with you Kenny. I'm fed up with you Shaq. Ernie, you're okay, but I'm going over to be with my man Wayne. <laughs> you know, walk yeah. off and, and join that set. I mean, because he is a big hockey fan. Uh, he tremendous. I you know I've done stories on him. Uh, I think I did it for three years in a row about him. He and John Cooper were are very good friends. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got uh, uh, Charles's number in my, uh, my phone, and I would call him. He loved talking hockey with me. And I, I thought, that's what I thought immediately, that if I was TNT, I, I, I would have hired him to do hockey. And it doesn't matter that he doesn't know all the generalities or all the specifics. Uh, he can speak in general terms. He knows players. And, um, you know, he would have just been good. He would have brought levity to the uh, – uh, broadcast and he's just fun and, and he's passionate like he's excited uh to watch the game so i i would love to see him on uh the hockey show i think he'd he'd do a good job and you know he he would do his homework you know he'd yes. call john cooper and get inside information he's got other people as well he's real good friends with jeremy roenick he's real good friends with a number of of nhl players so um, I, 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 I think that would have been a good choice if they would have gone in that direction. Well, I think eventually he's going to make his way there on, on set a couple of times, and who knows what's going to happen during the playoffs. But with all that said, okay, finally, let's get to the Red Wings. Uh, sixth overall. Uh, they didn't drop this time, which I guess is a good thing, but they didn't go up yeah, either. Yeah. Uh, yet, except for Owen Power from the University of Michigan, who seems to be the definitive number one choice, six foot five and a half, 213 pounds, uh, defenseman, uh, that boy, you know, put, put all the guys' names in a, uh, in, in a hat about the next 10, 10, 11 players and pick them out. And that could be your draft order. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, um, it being sixth, I think it's hard because, well, maybe it's easy because, uh, basically it's just going to unfold in front of you and then you know you're going to have the last guy left uh of the of the good players although i think there's really eight players but um uh the guy that i'm rooting for isn't going to be there i i really think that Eklund is the guy that i think would best serve the red wings you know he can play center or wing uh the comparisons for him are um uh, sebastian aho or henrik uh, uh zetterberg uh, you know, those are two pretty good comparisons. Uh, and I, I think he would be a nice fit uh, with Lucas Raymond. And I, it'd be nice if he'd fall there. Uh, if that doesn't happen, and I don't think it will, I, I think they want a center. Uh, so uh, 
I think Mason McTavish would be a good choice. And again, I like the comparisons on that as well. I've heard Ryan Getzlaff and I've heard Ryan O'Reilly. So uh, I think both of those guys are uh, good, good uh, uh, players that you'd love to have. You know, kind of that hard nose uh, center, a little bit bigger guys, got a little spit to go with the polish. Uh, so I think that would that would be good as well. Or uh, maybe Marty Beniers falls there. I don't think so. I think he's going to go in the top three. Um, and then another guy that'll probably be down there is Gunther, uh, who is right. uh, you know is a scorer, uh, not a center though, but a scorer. Um, so you know I I think he'll be fine. I think they're going to get a good uh, player. Uh, it'll be interesting because I think the defensemen are going to be available there, and will they be tempted to get uh, Luke Hughes, uh, who's one of the best skaters in the draft? Um, or will they be uh, tempted uh, by Clark, uh, who is maybe the best offensive defenseman in the draft? I think both those guys are going to be there at six. So you know, they may have that. And another guy that I really like uh, is Johnson, the Michigan center. Who, Kent Johnson. Yeah, Kent Johnson is a very um, gifted, nifty uh, center. I just talked to a scout, and he said, I love the kid. My only concern is, is can't, do all, all those moves work at the NHL level, is what he said. And he says, you never quite know, but um, he said, I really, really do uh, like him. So, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of good options there. There'll be a talented kid there at six. I don't think they're going to take the goalie. Um, uh, I just think it's just a little bit too early. Like if he was at nine or ten, I think Steve would take the goalie. Um, but I don't think he'll take him at six. So Jesper Wallstadt and... It, 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 and Wallstead won't be around when they pick technically 23rd, but since uh, 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 the Coyotes had to forfeit their pick at number 11, it'll be the 22nd pay, player selected, but it's technically in the books, I've been told, it is going to go down as the 23rd pick, uh, that uh, uh, Wallstead's not going to be there. And now I'm hearing maybe Sebastian... Uh, uh, Kosa, who plays in the Western Hockey League for the Edmonton Oil Kings, he's probably not going to be there. So do you think, again, Steve has to go by speculation. If he thinks they're both going to be gone, by the time they get down to 23, is he going to be able to, do uh, you think he might just roll the dice? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, he's got still two picks in the second round. I used to say uh, three. I don't have my list in front of me, but there are two highly rated goalies. Um, in the in the second round, a goalie from Guelph, uh, uh, Tristan, who's a bigger goalie, six foot three, six foot four, um, and then the guy that played uh, for Canada at the U eighteen uh, World Tournament uh, as well. So I, I don't think we're getting out of the second round without the Red Wings, uh, um, you know, taking uh, uh, a goalie. Um, I would be shocked if that happened. I think in those first four picks, uh, they're going to get a goalie. Yeah, especially since it it really does seem like uh, uh, Keith Petrozelli is come August fifteenth either going to be a, uh, uh, a an unrestricted free agent or maybe he goes back to school and the Red Wings will retain his rights till August fifteenth, twenty twenty two. But I just don't see that happening. So uh, uh, I mean, goalie is a position. Uh, of of need for the Red Wings. I agree with you. They're going to take a goalie early. You know, I know I'm all, I've been all over Jesper Wallstead and my mock draft says Jesper Wallstead, but I look at it in a draft where, except for Owen Power, 
everybody else is kind of, uh, uh, you know, all, you know, there isn't much of a de delineation between any of them uh, that you say, oh, whoa, this is the dude or that's the guy. You know, I hear that Kent Johnson is Patrick Kane, only a little bigger. Uh, you, you, you know, think, okay, that's good. But then again, you know, Manny Berniers doesn't get much better as a two-way player, and that guy's a future captain for whatever ever team drafts him. And, you know, boom, boom, boom. And I know I'm just picking out Michigan players, but Dylan Gunther's a sniper. That kid can shoot, you know. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. I'm thinking Jesper Wallstadt, if that's the way everyone's looking at it, played in the SHL at 18 against men, and is considered to be hands down the best goalie in the draft, why don't you roll at number six? Or is it just because, as you know me well, Kevin, I, it's fun to, to be Steve Eiserman because I have no pressure on me whatsoever. Yeah, 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 that's, that's for sure. Well, I don't think they go wrong if they take the goalie, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, everybody talked about uh, Yaroslav Askarov last year that went to the Predators. And, you know, he, he's a guy that I think is going to be similar to Spencer Knight. Look at him. Spencer Knight right. uh, won, I think, 10 to the Panthers. And, uh, you know, he stepped in last year and played in the playoffs. And everybody went, wow, you know, that kid is so young. And look, you know, look at his future. And the same thing is with Askarov, like um, with Rene retiring. It's just uh, we're probably just a year away from Eskarov being the number one goalie. Well, I, I, I've heard it say that Wallstead is as good, if not better, uh, than either of these guys. So if that's the case, uh, it wouldn't be uh, a bad uh, pick. Um, yeah, the, I, I, I remember the uh, goalies now. Uh, Tr Tristan Lennox is, the, is right. the goalie from Guelph, who's uh, a little bit bigger. And then Ben Goodrow, I think is his name, um, is the, uh, the Sarnia kid who... Uh, played pretty well. Um, I think that's his name. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um, and he played uh, well for Canada at the World uh, Under-18s as well. So, um, you know, uh, I, I do think we've kind of moved beyond the idea that you can't, uh, because in the semifinals this year, all the goalies were first-round picks uh, of the NHL playoffs. And I think in the quarterfinals, six of the eight were first-round picks. So the idea that you're just as likely to find a goalie in the fourth or fifth round as the first round. I don't think necessarily that's that's true. And I saw a guy that had done an advanced study on this um, and uh, concluded that it's in the same rate of success taking a goalie um, in the first round is, is taking a defenseman or a forward, or, or similar, I should say. I mean, there was some differences, but... It, it was uh, negligible um, that, you know, whatever it was, you got to, if it was a 60% chance of being successful, uh, it was very similar to that for a goalie as it was for a forward or a defenseman. Well, I guess that's the way I look at it now. I mean, you know, everything is, uh, there's risk involved and, you know, this, the goalies take like, you know, but let me ask you this then. Let me, is Carter Hart a cautionary tale? Because he came in like gangbusters and I'm not saying he's, I mean, he could still be, you know, potential Hall of Famer. But, you know, th that we've seen kind of the trials and tribulations and the up and down of, uh, of being a goalie in the NHL. Well, here's how I view that. I think a lot that to me uh, it's easier um, to be um, a goalie than a defenseman when you're young. Like, because when you're a goalie and say you're like Spencer Knight came in last year and he played in the playoffs and uh, he, he has no idea what he doesn't know. 
Right. Uh, you right. know, he's just playing on instincts. Uh, you know, uh, and he's playing on his reflexes. He's he's playing uh, on sheer guts and adrenaline. Well, you know, now he's thought about it a little bit. And now he comes next year, and they throw all sorts of things at him about adjusting his angles and being a little quicker here. And, you know, on your butterfly, you got to close it quicker. Now he's thinking. He's got a lot to think about. And now the game becomes a little more complicated. Uh, and, you know, maybe he's not as good because he knows a lot more now. Right. And now, now, and I, I think that's what happens. I think some young goalies start out well, and then they have to go through that period. And the shooters are figuring them out. It's no different than the Tigers pitchers when, right. you know, first the hitters figured out Scooble uh, early, early on, uh, and then he had to adjust. And now he's adjusted to their adjustments. And same thing with Casey Mize. And you know, it becomes a, a sort of a, a chess match. And I think that's where Car- Carter Hart was. You know, the shooters have figured him out. Now it's his turn to adjust, and I think he will. I mean, he was good early, young. Uh, then, of course, he had the, the poor season, uh, and everybody's in a panic. But I, I think he'll be fine once he, you know, makes his adjustment and gets it figured out. Yeah, I'm never. I'm not a big Flyers fan. Never have been. You know, I, I wasn't. The Broad Street Bullies were. I mean, I like good, hard, physical hockey, but they were just a little too dirty for me. Uh, but uh, I just can't figure that the Philadelphia franchise out. I, I, I you know. Because they seem to be a team where they're either rolling off 20 in a row or they're losing 15 in a row. I mean, it's so bizarre. I I just don't know what's, uh, you know. But, again, uh, this isn't the the orange and black uh, authority. This is the red and white authority. So we'll we'll just leave it at that Uh, uh, because we just don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, When you look at it, Steve has said, listen, we need help everywhere. Uh, so how do you see the draft unfolding? Uh, best, pl- I-, I would assume that you've got to go down to the, it's not, you don't dress a draft for need or position where regardless, you just take the best player available. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, but saying that, um, I, I think, uh, you know, the Red Wings have taken a lot of defensemen, um, you know, recently and they're short on centers. Uh, like I, I don't see, um, you know, I can't look five years down the road and name the top three centers. Um, you know, I, I think it's Larkin and Valeno, but, um, I, I'd like to have another one or two if I was the Red Wings to, to choose from, um, you know, Rasmussen will probably be a third line, uh, center and maybe Chase Pearson would be the fourth, but, um, you know, you'd, you'd like to have, I, it makes sense for me for them if there's a center available um to take him with that number six pick a center over a winger is what i I would say at this point um because you can always move a center to the wing but it's a little harder to move to a wing to a center uh so i i would take a center if it was close um that's why you know if uh, um you know there was one available i think i'd take him at six what uh and you know maybe i can put you on the spot but i don't want to reveal uh uh, anything you know because you know you're now with uh, you know, you're, you're writing columns and you're you're all over the place but who do you think they take then at six where how do you think it plays itself out well I, I, I'm you know in my last mock draft and I've got one more to do I, I started out at Wallstead in my preliminary one I've moved off of that and I moved to Johnson um, and uh, I got one more mock draft in me and I'm going to pick I think that they're going to take a center there um, you know, I don't know. I think McTavish is going at five, but I'm not positive of that. 
Um, but I think he's one of the possibilities. Or, um, you know, is it possible that uh, Manny uh, uh, Beniers falls all that way? I doubt it. Um, but, uh, you know, I could, I could see that. Uh, the, the guys that I think they would take if they're there are Eklund for sure. I think they would take him. I don't think there'd be any hesitation of that. Um, and then uh, I think McTavish uh, uh, or, or Johnson. Those are the three guys that I, I see that they're going to debate over. All right, Kevin, let's look at now uh, uh, some of the decisions that Steve's going to have to make not uh, involving the draft, but in their unrestricted free agents. Uh, you know, we already talked about Mark Stahl and Jonathan Bernier. You, you know, you think that, uh, you know, that Bernier's most likely going to come back, as we said earlier. Uh, Stahl... Uh, it appears that even with the addition of Letty, that Stahl could still be in the mix. But uh, uh, how about if we, if we are we saying goodbye to Darren Helm, uh, Phil Pilla, uh, uh Sam Gagne, uh, Bobby Ryan? Granted, they haven't been longtime Red Wings like uh, uh, like the other players I mentioned. But uh, uh, do you do you see that happening? Do you see Luke Lenning coming back? Huh? How do you think Steve's going to approach this? Well, I, I, you know, I think Luke Lindenning has the best chance of coming back, but I think I, I thought it was a slam dunk before, and now I don't. Um, you know, you, what we're hearing is is that, you know, the, the contract is not done. You know, uh, why didn't they get it done by now if it was going to happen? But I assume since they didn't trade him last year that they're going to try to re-sign him. So I think it's possible. I mean, he's a very valuable player, but he doesn't really fit in the rebuild. Uh, if you think about yeah, it, he's too true. old. He's too old. So if he wanted a longer-term deal, I could see Steve walking away. Um, you know, uh, if uh, you know, I think he'd like to have him, but I think he will, he he wants him at a reasonable price. Remember what Ken Holland used to say? You know, I I, I really don't like this player at five point five million, but I love him like a brother at three point four. Right. You know, so you know, and I I think that's what could happen there at too much. I don't think Eisenman would be appreciative. Uh, of Glenn Denning. Uh, I think all the guys you mentioned, Helm and Phil and Gagne and Bobby Ryan, I think uh, uh, they will move on. Um, I, I, I think if you're going to bring in free agents too, it wouldn't hurt to, you know, to try different guys. There's a lot of free agents out there right? Um, and can fill those roles. And it's really important. And I, I, I think this is where the fan base struggles a little bit. It's not always about cap space. It's about roster space. You know, if you want Lucas Raymond to get his shot up here, um, if you want a spot for Joe Valeno, <clears throat> you know, if you want, you know, more playing time for uh, these younger players, you, you got to create roster spots for them. So <clears throat> I think, you know, that's the key. If you bring all those guys back, that's why I think you got to consider buying out Franz Nielsen. Um, not, right. not that, you know, he's only got one year left and the money's not all that important because you probably won't use it anyway. But you need the roster spots for the young players. Um, uh, you need the you need the, the playing time. Um, so I, I I think that's what he's going to factor in as well because Giovanni Smith is out of options. Chalowski is out of options. Lindstrom is out of uh, uh, options. Those guys have to be kept off if they would have to go through waivers to be sent down. Um, so you know we don't have as many spots uh, in Detroit. Um, for veterans as we had last year. Right, and I mean, Steve <laughs> even said it the last time he addressed the media, although later this week he's going to address everyone uh, just before the draft. 
Uh, and then he'll be talking, like, I guess, even Friday and Saturday. Uh, and then free agency starts on the 28th, and he, you know, he's going to do something there, too. So we're going to hear a lot from Steve Eiserman. But the last time he spoke, uh, he did say, look, like you just pointed out, Smith, Lindstrom, uh, Chalowski are, are out of options. They're going to have to be really, really bad for them not to make our team because he doesn't think they would clear waivers, that people would take those three players. Yeah, uh, I I do too. Um, you know, that's the funny thing and, and really the fun thing about the NHL. When you have, and we just saw this with the trade with, um, you know, Nolan Patrick, a former number one pick, right. gets, gets traded. Now, he, he, he didn't, it didn't work out. Now, there was injuries and concussions and, and things of that nature. But even before then, he wasn't developing as quickly as you would expect for a number two pick. In Vegas, they have the glass kid. Um, and he, again, he didn't develop as quickly as they thought. So he, they, they end up engineering a three, uh, team trade. Well, you know, the, uh, Vegas Golden Knights end up with Nolan Patrick. Kelly McCrimmon is there. He had him in Brandon, uh, years before, you know, he believes he can get, uh, Patrick to where he needs to be like, right. well, now he's with our organization because that's the way they always feel. And now Nashville has got glass and they're saying, well, now he's with our organization. We'll get him squared away. You know, he'll be fine. Well, that's how it will be with Chalowski. Like if you put him on waivers, someone will pick him up because they believe because Chalowski has offensive talent. Well, we'll get him squared away. They just didn't know what they were doing in Detroit. Well, it's not usually the case, but you always feel that way. Uh, that you can, that your organization can bring that guy around and can develop. You, you see it all the time in the NHL. Uh, real quickly, looking at uh, projecting what the roster will look like, and we know that it's not going to exactly look like what we're about to come up with, but I just want to throw out, obviously, Mo Sider, if he doesn't make the team, you know, my, my joke is, is does Reykjavik have a team? Maybe that's where Steve <laughs> sends him next. Uh, but uh, uh, that Sider's on the club. I'm believing that... Valeno makes the team right out of camp, and then maybe Berggren and Lucas Raymond are shuffled to and from Grand Rapids to Detroit. Is that a logical scenario, and do you see anybody else being part of that? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I, I do think both of those players will get their chance this season. Um, they'll, they'll get time up here. Um, and, you know, don't be surprised if Berggren is, uh, and I know you're not, but the fans shouldn't right. be surprised that Berggren might be a little more advanced. Um, that, that's what I've sort of heard about Lucas Raymond. A lot of potential there, but probably not quite ready um, uh, is what, I, what I'm hearing. So he may need some time down in Grand, uh, Grand Rapids. Um, but uh, I think Valeno, uh, as his performance is very important now because we, we need to see uh, the, the scoring potential, I think, for him. Uh, I think we're going to put him in on the second line uh, and see how it goes. Uh, and, uh, you know, who knows what's going on with uh, uh, Larkin's injury as well. I mean, that, that could be a factor as well. But I, I think they need Valeno to, um, you know, to, to at least show signs that he's going to be a scorer uh, because we know he's going to be an NHL player. Right. Like, if you watch him, you know that. He's, he's very responsible defensively. He can skate. Um, you know, he gets the job done. But what we don't know is, you know, how much can he score because they need him to score um, and to create offense. So I think that's that's going to be the fun thing. And the defense, uh, you know, if they don't lose the Chalowski, I think they're going to give him an opportunity to play. And he'll, you know, it's time. It's now or never. 
you know, right. and, and, you know Nick Letty could benefit Dennis too. For sure, for for sure, um, and to show him how it's done. And uh, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe it comes together for him. I mean, you know, we've seen the offensive side of him even when he's been up here. What we haven't seen is uh, the willingness to assert himself and to engage. You know, he hasn't been engaged in, uh, in my opinion, uh, the way he needs to. Um, and with some guys like. Ryan Suter is a guy who plays so poised that sometimes you think he's not trying. Right, right. But that's just his style. Now, you know, that I think Chalowski looks like that sometimes, but I think there's a concern that he really isn't all that engaged as he need to be. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I just think he needs to just turn up the volume just a little, uh, and I think he would be fine because there are plenty of, of uh, guys who are in the game primarily for their offense, but you still have to show some sides of defensive play, and I think that's what we need from Chalowski. All right, and, and finally, looking at uh, some of the the uh, Red Wings going to have to qualify their restricted free agents. Fetchnikov, we don't know if that's going to happen, but the other ones: Jacob Vrana, uh, Adam Ernie, Tyler Bertuzzi, Chase Pearson, uh, Michael Rasmussen. Uh, uh, Dennis uh, Chalowski, depending on what happens in the expansion draft, uh, Gus Linson, Philip Ronick, and Giovanni Smith, who's also going to be on the team next year. I know sure. I, that uh, uh, that Steve's going to qualify all of them. Do you think Verana is a long-term sign, or do you think Steve wants to do, you know, the I call it the dreaded bridge deal? But uh, you know, and Bertuzzi obviously should probably be inked to. Uh, 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 I, I would think to a long-term deal, but then again, if you listen to everybody in Toronto, he was a Leaf yesterday. So I mean, what, yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, I I would guess Bertuzzi would be a four-year deal. Okay, um, that's and that's just a guess, but um, and I think if you're Verona, I think both the Red Wings and Verona probably would prefer a short-term deal, um, just to see where they're at. Um, uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, if he's willing to do a long-term deal, like, yeah, you know he's a scorer. Uh, you know, he's been a scorer. He has periods of uh, when he goes without a goal, but who doesn't? You know, Brendan Shanahan used to go a while without a goal now and then. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, I think you get that with uh, uh, scorers. There's some streakiness to them. So, um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think they'll be kind of, they'll feel each other out and see where they want to go on that. But, I gotta believe he's pretty happy here. You know, there's, uh, um, you know, he's been given the opportunity here. There's like no, you know, in Washington, the pecking order there. He was down a little ways in that. You know, there was Ovechkin and Backstrom and, um, you know, a whole lot of guys, Kuznetsov, um, who were guys who were ahead of him in terms of the pecking order. And in Detroit, you know, he can be the guy. Yeah, he certainly can be, and I, I think he probably enjoyed himself. I, I guess there probably is an initial shock whenever anybody is traded to any of the Detroit teams, but once they get there and they find out how professional athletes are treated here in Detroit and that, you know, the, 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 the sports culture um, is, is, is uh, you know, that's Detroit's cult. That is Detroit's culture. I mean, there's so much a, a vital part of it that uh, uh, it, it's a good place to play if you're a professional athlete. Well, for sure, uh, and there have been athletes who have come here, and you know, and Stahl was the latest example. Right, of that. exactly. You know, he showed up, played for his team. It was a poor team. When he was done, he said, "You know, I had a really good time. You know, I, I liked it here. I got treated well. You know, it's like being in Canada without the hardship of being in Canada. And by that, I mean, you know, they can be hard on you when you play in Canada, 
Um, but here, uh, it's a very, very fun hockey environment, but you also don't face the same measure of, uh, of pressure. Um, you know, we're just not as uh, intense about, uh, uh, not that the fans don't know hockey, or they do, um, but you know they're you know they're a little more forgiving I think than Canadian fans would be my right yeah you, you know Detroit's get this uh, you know Detroit against everybody and against the world but uh, you know but we're good people that uh, do have uh, forgiveness in our hearts and uh, <laughs> giving people the benefit of the doubt although I think every player knows exactly where they stand with Steve Eiserman I'm going to say that right now yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would say that as well. Yeah, I yeah. think we, I think you and I both know where we stand with Steve Eisen. Oh, for, for sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, on one hand, um, I couldn't have a more difficult job than covering a team where um, not much leaks out of the Red Wing organization right. with Steve Eisenman is there. On the other hand, I'm I'm covering uh, a general manager who does a lot of entertaining things, right? And in terms of the way he manages, like. Um, you know, I, I, I like the sophistication of his managing style. Like, and I was thinking today about writing a column just about, um, you know, uh, it's complicated to rebuild a team and it isn't just getting assets and everything else. It's, it's doing things like bringing in, uh, mentors. It's uh, deciding that, uh, when the team is young, that you, you can't allow it to be just horrible because it's demoralizing. Um, you know, you've got to. Uh, marshal your your cap and it's like getting everybody on lower uh, contracts it's it's far more sophisticated than you you think it is it's just not a matter of okay uh, bottoming out getting a lot of draft picks uh, it's it's there's far more to it and you know he does it in a very entertaining way and he keeps you on your toes he uh, he makes it fun that's how he was with captain in the room too those guys exactly knew uh uh, you know, Steve might not have said much, but when he did, uh, he actually meant it. You know, what's, what's really funny, and, and I've told him this, and people like, I, you know, I'm never going to live this down. But I, but I did say this to him, and I said, you know, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I believe you could end up being a better executive than you were a player, which is stunning, which is absolutely stunning, because he's one of the immortals of the game. But, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, every day... I'm saying, what's Steve going to do? Even though I right. know, like most of those days, he's not going to do anything. But when he does do something, my gosh, is it fun? It yeah. just is fun. Yeah, well, it is. And um, I think he's already as good an executive as he was a player. And I mean that as a compliment to his managerial skill. Right. Well, so do I. Well, you know, his response to me was when I told him that he looks at me, you know, gets a little wry smile and says, or worse, and you'll be the first one to tell me. And I agreed with him on that one too. I said, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) Eiserman, I had high hopes for him. What happened to him? Uh, But, uh, but Kevin, finally, you know, you're very measured, you're level-headed, and you're a lot of fun. You're a combination of just being a, just a wonderful person. Uh, so I'm going to give you the last word. Anything outrageous, any kind of prediction, anything that is going to floor the hockey world that's going to come out by the end of August. I'm going to throw free agency in there, the draft, and also the expansion draft. Um. I know, so I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I know it's a tough you, question. you are. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I do think there are going to be some um, unique uh, storylines, like, uh, you know, where Tarasenko ends up. Um, I think that's that's going to be kind of a fun 
uh, situation. Like, you know, we're all saying kind of New York because he wants to go where there's uh, large Russian populations, but uh, it may not work out and he could end up playing, you know, in Florida or something like that. Um, yeah. Ask you know. the Bob how that's going. Yeah, um, but I but I think I think that is possible because you know in the COVID world you got to go where the cap space is. Right. You know, it used to be you got to go where the money is. Well, you got to go where the cap space is. So uh, I think that's uh, going to be uh, you know interesting to to follow. And um, you know I don't know that you can come up with anything any more outrageous than Carey Price ending up with the Kraken. Yeah, so. I'll tell you what that would be. That would be. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure that uh, if that were to happen, the Canadian fans would be going, "Thanks Pittsburgh, thanks Mark Andre Fleury, thanks Vegas." You know that. Would yeah. Be, so you know that. There you go. I mean, because obviously, it doesn't take a genius to figure out Mark Andre Fleury was the stabilizing factor in that franchise. When you have a Hall of Fame goaltender, well, soon to be, and uh, a guy who's won cups step into your room. And as a backstop of your team, it does not get much better than that if you're an expansion. No. Team. Well, how, how about this? How about Mark Andre Fleury ended up in back in Pittsburgh? Wow. I, I I think that's possible. Um, I think they'd rather move Leonard right now, but I think uh, there is a couple scenarios. I think where uh, Robin Leonard ends up uh, back in Pittsburgh. They're trying to move. Uh, 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 they being the Penguins are trying to move. Uh, you know, like Zucker or somebody of that ilk to try to create uh, cap space so they can change their goalies because um, uh, their goaltending wasn't very good last year. Right now, and you know, in, in Pittsburgh, I mean, you know, you, Crosby and Malcolm, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, they're you know they're still doing it. You know, they're still getting the job done. But uh, and I know you're a big Sid Sid the Kid fan there, Kevin. I always tease you about that. But uh, yeah. you know, I mean, Father Times eventually has to catch up with those guys. Well, I think it already has. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, Malkin just, uh, uh, you know, he's breaking down. Um, right, but yeah. Crosby's still playing well. Yeah, I'm the only person in Michigan, I think, that likes Sidney Crosby. So uh, I think that's... Uh, that's and, you're a, all, you, and you like Ohio State, and you're a big, uh, you're a big uh, Michael Jordan fan too, right? Well, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, you know, I did cover Ohio State. And I, I have I have told this story before. Uh you know, having gone down there and, uh, you know, looked at the way they run their program, it's pretty darn impressive, uh, like in terms of how they do things. And, you know, for all the grand traditions that we have at Michigan that I've marveled at since I was a kid, you know, they've got some stuff, too, that just fires up their fan bases as well. And, it, you know, you know, you, when you grew up in Michigan, you don't have, know any of that. Um, and they do some stuff, too, that I wish they did at Michigan uh, as well. So... Uh, you know, I learned a lot by covering that team. That's for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say like win. That would be good for Michigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they seem to know how to do that. At yeah, Ohio, yeah. That's they, they, it, it kills me to even say that, but it's still Ohio. I know I'm joking. You know, yeah. I know there's a rivalry between the states, but you know, we love the uh, the state of presidents or whatever they call themselves besides the Buckeye State. But with that said, Kevin, it's always a pleasure having you on uh, uh, on the Red and White Authority. I mean, we're, you know, we're buddies. You know, you're one of my dearest friends. I have nothing but respect for you. Uh, finally, just let the fans know where can they read you. Is this just a is this a paywall service? Is can they are some stuff distributed for free? What? How, how? Yeah, there, uh, most of it is for free, and I'm at DetroitHockeyNow.com, and then I'm definitely free on HockeyBuzz.com. I'm the lead uh, story there. 
um, pretty much every weekday uh, I do a column uh, for Hockey Buzz as well. So um, there's always uh, something for me. And I usually try to do a story or two for DetroitHockeyNow.com uh, every day. Some are behind a paywall. I, I don't know what the, our breakdown is going to be when we get to the regular season, but I would guess it'll be 70 free, 30% uh, uh, pay would be my guess. Okay, good. And, and you and Bob Duff are going together. I like your kind of little pros and cons that you go when you go up against each other. Though Those are always fun reads too. I appreciate that. Yep, Kevin, thanks as always. Have a good one. You know, I'm always... Uh, uh, I'm always there for you, whatever you need, and because you're always there for me, and I, I truly appreciate that. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. Mark.